Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He's the head coach for Oberlin Swimming at Oberlin College, Alex De La Pena. Alex, how's it going, man? It's good, man. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. First of all, let's start with Oberlin College. Um, tell me a little bit about the college itself and where you guys are at right now uh, with, you know, in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. Sure, sure. So um, we have a pretty unique setup with our academic year right now. We are in person with classes and, you know, basically we have a academic calendar set up over a calendar year. So we have a fall, a spring and a summer term. And then there's certain classes that will rotate off campus uh, during those time frames to de-densify campus, give the kids single dorms, and allow for additional social distancing space. Um, you know, so basically right now I have freshmen, sophomores, and seniors. My juniors are rotated off campus. Now they're not at home like twiddling their thumbs. They're you know doing internships. They're doing you know different things that the college has set up for them, which is great. Um, so they have, you know, that at their disposal. And then the next semester, the spring semester is where our sophomores would rotate off campus. And then now we're also going to have a summer term where, you know, our sophomores and juniors would be the only ones on campus because the seniors would have graduated. And then obviously, you know, we have a whole new first year class coming in, um, for the following fall. So it's a little bit of a different setup for the team dynamic purpose. Um, we're kind of in phase one right now with our training um, just in the middle of week three. Um, today is an off day. So like our setup, um, I'm giving them off on Thursdays and Sundays. So we're training five days a week um, and basically going two hours, two and a half hours with each workout. And, you know, it's been really good so far. You know, they've been working really hard. Some kids were out of the water for six or seven months. So it's been kind of an adjustment for, for them. But um, as far as COVID cases on campus, um, it's been great. Um, you know, we've had minimal cases. We have a site where it actually displays the amount of cases, um, you know, and tests that have been actually placed and then the amount of positive cases from, from those. So, um, you know, in our initial round, we only had five positive cases with all the kids coming from all over the globe, all over the country, which is a great start. And then um, our most recent round, I think we were as a, when I checked yesterday, we're at zero with the most recent round. And each kid gets tested every four weeks automatically um, for COVID. And then if they're in a situation where, you know, they become symptomatic themselves or through contact tracing, then they would go and get additional testing beyond just that once every four weeks. So that's kind of, you know, where we're at with everything right now. Um, we're halfway-ish through the semester. Um, so they're hitting midterms. And so they're a little stressed with the academic side of things. Um, and then we hit phase two of training starting next week. So we can go from um, basically only having 10 kids per workout to having up to 20. In this first three weeks have been crazy. My assistant and I have been coaching six to 10 hours a day, <laughs> having to run all these multiple workouts because it has to be the same 10 or less kids practicing with the same exact group. And college um, courses and classes have all sorts of different schedules. 
So it's been good though. Um, kids have been really receptive to it. And I think just excited to have the opportunity to be back on campus, to be back training and have just a little bit of, of normalcy to, to life. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine the hours some, some of these coaches club and college are putting in, like you said, six to 10 hours uh, on deck per day. That's it's a lot but again, you know, we are in extenuating circumstances. This is not the norm and uh, everyone's kind of adjusting to make it work. So um, kudos to you for, for being on deck that long and, and kudos to you for getting your program back up and running. Um, that's super cool and that you guys are able to swim and kind of are able to make it work in different groups. So everyone's staying safe and staying in shape. Um, what was it like for you? you know, before the school year started was, was, did you have any athletes on campus over the summer? Um, it, you know, what, what, how are you staying busy on a day to day, um, over the summer during this pandemic? Sure. Sure. Um, so we're, you know, more traditional liberal arts. So a lot of our kids, they're not on campus over the summer, unless they're doing an internship or some sort of research with professors. And that's, I think the really the great thing about our school is it's all undergrad. So they're able to do some phenomenal, I think, graduate level kind of work at an undergraduate, you know, level and do those kinds of things with the research. But by and large, a lot of kids go home over the summer. And so we encourage them to obviously this year was different, but whatever they could do was great. Um, but in a normal year, it's, you know, if you have a club team to have access to, that's great. Um, you know, I think a lot of division three programs probably have a similar approach and philosophy because we only have a certain amount of time we can work with them. Um, it used to be 19 weeks, but now with kind of this COVID environment, it's changed to 114 days, which equates to six practices, uh, you know, a week for 19 weeks. But the nice thing with that is it, it provides more flexibility because if we had like one practice day that was used, that whole week got wiped out, you know? And so now it's like, mm -hmm. we just count the actual days. So like Thanksgiving week, as an example, like if I ran a workout just on that Monday, Tuesday, that whole week counted as one of those 19 weeks. So, oh, wow. so typically yeah. we ended that. Um, but, you know, to get back to your original question, I mean, it's just recruiting like crazy, um, you know, even putting, I think, more effort into it than ever this summer, because, you know, uh, we couldn't open campus back up until I think it was the end of June um, is when we opened campus back up for people to come in and it's just exterior tours. And we're very fortunate that, you know, we were able to do that. Um, a lot of schools out there didn't have any sort of tours and still have like no campus visits or tours, you know, permitted. And, and so we tried to take advantage of that opportunity as much as we could, even though it was just walking around in the exterior. But they were nice enough to grant me permission to go in the backside of our building and, and our athletic complex and let the recruits come in and see our pool, um, which we're very lucky to have and recently renovated pool there. Um, two years ago, brand new. Um, so it's a 10 lane, 25 yard facility now, used to be a six lanes, 25 yard with a kick out well. Um, but that pool, the old one was ahead of its time. So we hosted the conference meet here up until the late nineties in a six lane pool with a separate well. And uh, they hosted division three nationals here uh, twice in the late seventies and twice in the early eighties. And actually my dad was a collegiate swimmer um, in the, late seventies, early eighties. And he swam in that pool for division three nationals. So yeah, keep myself busy though. Long story short, um, recruiting has been the main thing. And then just kind of 
trying to treat this like kind of like a sabbatical, you know, like we really don't get those anymore. So mm-hmm. it's researching, connecting with coaches, um, you know, got a kind of, I know we all got kind of tired of like Zoom meetings over time, but, um, you know, I tried to find coaches at schools similar to Oberlin and connect with them. And they were gracious enough to, you know, meet with me and talk with me several times over the summer and just bounce ideas off of them. Hey, what are you doing? What's your school doing? You know, with what is planning going forward, um, you know, with the academic year, because we were all kind of, you know, hands up in the air. We didn't know what we were doing until I, I think midsummer, a lot of us. And, and so just trying to get ideas of what I guess peer schools were doing was incredibly helpful. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I know I've I talked to quite a few coaches who were just, yeah, trying to, to use that time to collaborate, to bounce ideas off each other. We've certainly, a, a, almost everyone I've talked to has switched up their training in one way or another um, during this time, just because it's such a different set of circumstances than everyone is used to being in. Um, have, have you, you know, talk about you guys' training. How have you switched things up? Obviously you mentioned groups of 10 has to be the same group of 10 every day. So, um, you're running multiple workouts. I'm guessing, you know, probably the same workout over the course of a day, but, um, you know, you're in phase one right now of your training. What's that looking like compared to maybe a normal phase one of, of last season? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, really work hard on trying to develop them as overall athletes. And so I feel like we do a little bit more with our weight and dry land programming than I I think a lot of programs out there do. And, you know, this kind of helped amplify that a little bit more. And, you know, we talked about a little bit, you know, we're seeing some of these kids at meets, the inner squad meets and whatever is going on that, you know, these club teams are able to post putting up lifetime best times and things like that. And I think it's because, these kids are doing things on land that they weren't normally doing and transitioning that in, into the pool. And, um, you know, I, I had, you know, a little conversation with Chris Ritter and I know he's, he's really busy right now with everything with his programming and what he's doing, but it's, it's good stuff. And I think that was part of my philosophy as a coach, even before all this hit was we were doing, you know, dry land and weights, you know, three, four five days a week you know, as part of our programming. And so now what we're doing just on a daily basis is, you know, I don't know how many programs, you know, do as much with this as we do, but like we stress before and after every single practice, you know, even if I could get 15, 20 more minutes in, in the water, to me, I want them to be healthy. And I was doing that before the pandemic. And now again, kids being out of the water six, seven months, you know, now coming back and getting back in the swing of it, just hammering them with yards isn't really going to be the most productive thing. And, and so we want them to get back in shape, but you got to be, I think, very careful in how you plan that. And so like day to day, it's, you know, stretching and dry land the first, you know, 30 minutes or so of, of our day. And then we swim for about 90 minutes, give or take, um, depending, you know, we're trying to increase volume a little bit with what we're doing within that time frame because we're, we all know as coaches, that's not an exorbitant amount of time per day, but, um, and then we're stretching afterwards. And, and so sometimes we flip that a little bit, depending on what we're doing, where if we go more like a quality based kind of set, we'll have them stretch before, and then we'll get, get them in and swim. But then we spend longer after that practice doing more mobility kind of work. You know, we get them on the foam rollers, we walk them through some hip mobility, we walk them through some shoulder mobility type stuff. 
Um, but I just think that's really important because they're sitting hunched pretty much all day. <laughs> you know, um, we all have the rounded swimmer shoulders and, and things like that. And we just are trying to, again, get those shoulders peeled back a little bit. The hips get really tight for a lot of them. And then, you know, lower back pain can kind of stem from that too. So that just comes from sitting too. So we try to really work on just opening them up. And I think that's really good. And we've seen a lot of positive results with it. And right now, you know, like I said, it's five days a week and that's the schedule we're going to continue going forward. Um, it's just this first session. We really had like them in organized groups on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because Tuesday, Thursday, their schedules were like completely different. So I couldn't keep the same group of kids together on this, on a day-to-day thing. Um, and then Saturday as well. Now we made Tuesday like an optional day um, where they could come in and do individual sessions with us. So we could do that. And that's what we've been doing these first three weeks. But the next phase, next week, um, we can go up to 20 kids per workout. And so we'll go Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday, as well as Saturday. So Wednesday will then be our off day. Um, so that's kind of the setup that we have. And I don't know, it's just helping me kind of get some ideas going forward here. You know, maybe in a normal year, maybe we give them Wednesday as an offer recovery day. Um, it's an incredibly taxing academic schedule here. I mean, Oberlin's a top 30 liberal arts school in the country. So, you know, they're here to be students first. And, you know, we regularly are academic All-American. You know, the kids are out there producing really well um, in the classroom and that's their main focus. Um, but we also want to take, you know, our swimming very seriously too. And it's trying to find that balance. And I think that's the most important thing. And that's what a lot of recruits ask me is, you know, how do your student athletes balance their time? And I think people get that at the division one level going all the way to division three, like how do they balance things? And, and so, you know, here, if I can give them an extra day to breathe, that might be more beneficial for us. And it might be more beneficial for, you know, um, you know, me and my assistant coaches as well, just to catch our breath in the middle of the week and then hit with a little bit more energy the back half of the week. So just trying to think about some different things going forward here. And I think trying to find the silver lining in the pandemic life is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I finding those silver linings, I think you mentioned, you know, you're doing more mobility, more stretching, more dry land, um, maybe not as much time in the pool, which I think a lot of people have opted for, uh, by necessity, but also now as we're starting to get more to pool time, kind of by design, you know, they, they found out that's, that might be a better solution, better fit for some of these swimmers. Um, how do you feel like your athletes have reacted to this, you know, maybe a little less pool time, maybe a little more stretching. Um, not only you, you said you'd seen some results as in, you know, they look good in the water, but how do you feel like their demeanor, their candor has, has been affected by that as well? Yeah, I, I think some of them that come from higher volume programs are a little bit more concerned. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's one thing to try to get over that hump, so to speak, a little bit. But yeah, you know, I, I think that they're all going to have their concerns because they all are set like, I have to be two hours in the water, right? And I need doubles and I need this and I need that. And I think the big thing we're all learning from being in this environment is, do we really need all those things? right? Do we need to be work doing as much? And maybe were we overtraining our kids? Were we overtraining them for so long? And I think there is meaning behind doing swim doubles because in our biggest meets, what are we doing? Prelims and finals, three, four days in a row, you know, for those that are at the highest level, Olympic trials, the Olympics themselves, you're going over the course of a week. 
and how many swims are you doing? And, and so I think there's merit to it um, in this environment into a college rec center. I only wanted them coming in once a day because I just thought that that's less, you know, chance of contact and things of that nature. And we're not going actually up into the weight room for our dry land. We're doing everything right on the pool deck. And, you know, again, that's only our team touching those medicine balls and TRX trainers and everything else that we're doing and wiping everything down and, you know, ourselves and handling it ourselves. Our college is doing a phenomenal job across the board, cleaning and things like that. Our rec center through and through is keeping everything clean. But, you know, you're having people from across campus uh, touching the same dumbbell, barbell, things like that from, you know, again, different teams and non-athletes and things like that. So that's why, like, our team just came to a consensus of this is what we're most comfortable with and just keeping everything right on deck. So the kids, you know, come in, we do a quick temperature check, we do a survey check with them um, for symptoms, and then they then get on deck and then we go through our practice that way. So, um, but yeah, you know, going back to what you were saying, I just think we can learn a lot from this. And I think, you know, instead of just getting frustrated with what we can't do, it's, you know, making the most of what we can actually do. And, you know, going into a non-pandemic year, hopefully next year, <laughs> um, you know, we're a place where I think we need to provide options for our kids because Oberlin's a place where these kids love doing a lot of things really well they overreached <laughs> so because they're used to doing all these different things. And I want to give them the flexibility to do that, not just swim and see a classroom and that's it. Um, they need to be involved in other things on campus. And I think that's a big thing here too. And even in this environment with social distancing and things like that, I wanted to give them that flexibility to, to do those things on campus, especially for our first years and get more involved with things on campus as well, especially in the environment that, that we're in. Oberlin's always been really big you know, on, I, I think the diversity and, and social justice front as well. And that's something that, you know, our kids have been really big advocates on. I, I think our athletic department has done a phenomenal job with that too. And, and just something that, you know, Oberlin's kind of always, I think, been there kind of ahead of the curve on, on a lot of these topics. And, and so that's something, you know, we take a lot of pride in. We have a big election obviously coming up too <laughs> as well here in a couple of weeks. So that's a big thing. What I'm seeing from a lot of programs across the country is phenomenal seeing 100% voter registration from all these teams. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see some positive change here going forward and, you know, kind of take it from there. Yeah, uh, certainly, certainly hoping for some positive change moving forward, just, you know, in, in the world, in the country, in regards to this pandemic, um, you know, I guess a, a, a good way to wrap up our conversation might be, um, you know, what, what, what changes do you think you might instill now that you have experimented with, uh, again, by necessity, by design, experimented with this different style of training? Sounds like you've gotten some feedback from your athletes, you know, and again, we all know those swimmers who want to do doubles, who want to get in 8k a practice or, or two hours every day minimum. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, that's not their favorite, obviously to only be in for 90 minutes and to only have one a day, but, um, do you, do you moving forward? Um, how do you, how do you see your, uh, style of training changing maybe because of these, because of these circumstances? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess my background you know, I've always been a big fan of, of coach John Urbanchek and, and his work and 
we use a color coded system here with what we do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not completely sold on the ultra short race pace, you know, training. Um, I still think there's a lot of value and merit into, you know, aerobic training and threshold training and things like that. Right. Um, so we have certain days where we have those, those emphasis, um, you know, on the energy systems that we want to focus on. But I think that again, you know, providing that kind of flexibility moving forward, I think is going to be important where, you know, in a normal year, our core requirement is, you know, going to be six water workouts a week, Monday through Saturday. And then we have two weight room and two dry land sessions um, during that week. But, you know, in talking with some of our kids and just getting feedback, you know, we also offer some optional extra practices, um, you know, twice per week. So they could come in and get some more water time that way if they choose to do so. And some optional dry land and wait time as well for those that choose to do that. So I think it's, you know, getting them what they need, but also trying to curb some of those kids a little bit that just like to train, train, train. And that's all I need to do. And, you know, you got to catch your breath every now and again. Like, I think that in our sport, like when I coached, you know, club, it was give the kids four weeks off between long course and short course season. And, and, you know, some people get up in arms about that and it's and vice versa from short course to long course and long course to short course, like give them some time away from the pool. Like, I feel like that creates a, a positive itch that you got to scratch because if it's just like, just take a week off and, you know, whatever, you know, I, I don't feel like it's appreciated quite as much. And sometimes, and it's a good problem to have if you have to kind of stiff arm kids away from the pool, like that tells us that you're doing something right. And so I think that's just something that we're working on with, you know, with our culture, like we're trying to help them understand that a little bit better. And a break is okay. Like, it doesn't mean you have to sit on the couch and eat potato chips and do nothing, you know, work on mobility, flexibility, do some yoga, do some cross training. That's fine. But I think that, you know, just swim, swim, swim is kind of a means to an end without having those breaks in there and giving your body a chance to breathe. I mean, how many people have shoulder injuries and back injuries and things like that in our sport. Like, I, I just think that it's kind of accumulated because we just don't take breaks and we were kind of forced to take a break with all this, um, you know, and again, silver lining in it is like some positive things I think are going to, are going to come from this in our sport and hopefully open up the eyes for people a little bit more. It's helped me network with people a little bit more. Um, I think that's important. Sometimes as coaches, we get on islands and think, you know, um, it's tough to reach out for help sometimes, but I think sharing ideas is at, you know, the core of what we need to be doing to make, you know, our sport better. And, um, you know, we're lucky that we're in division three and division three is, I feel the safest of all the divisions right now. And I'm just hoping we don't see additional programs getting cut moving forward across all divisions. And, you know, want to see our sport continue to do well at the NCAA level and provide opportunities for kids, um, you know, beyond high school that want to pursue this opportunity to swim in college, whether it's division one, two, or three. I, I couldn't agree with you more about the breaks <laughs> for sure. Um, and, and, you know, <clears throat> you had some very insightful things to say about growing our sport. Obviously I would like to, I, I would like to see that sport continue to grow programs getting cut is, is a real threat as we've seen on several occasions in the last few months. Um, but, but hopefully, you know, we can get through this as a community, um, Alex, any, any parting thoughts just on the next couple of weeks, couple months, um, in terms of what, what's on the docket for Oberlin and, and what you're thinking about just in general and swimming moving forward. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's recruit, recruit, recruit right now. So it's, uh, you know, we're, we're a month out from our early decision one deadline. Um, so here we have multiple application deadlines for our school. And so there's early decision one, um, which is uh, November 15th, early decision two, which is January 2nd. And then we have a regular decision, which is January 15th. Now, since we're in division three, obviously there's no athletic scholarships. Um, there's no NLI, um, you know, so for us, early decision is, you know, a more surefire way to ensure that, you know, we're going to have people coming in, you know, next year because it's a, it's binding in schools similar to Oberlin will have, you know, early decision also, you know, regular decision is not binding. And so people can apply through that route as well. Um, it's just, you know, they have to wait a little bit longer to hear back and, and, uh, you know, keeps us kind of on pins and needles until, uh, basically the end of March going through the end of April, you know, they have about four weeks to decide before May 1st to put deposits down. So we have a great group, um, you know, applying so far. It's great to, to see that it's been tough for them um, going through this recruiting process. Some of them sight unseen and, and doing all they can through virtual visits and phone calls and zoom meetings. And it's just, it's a lot. Like I give these kids, you know, all sorts of credit for, fighting through this the best way that they can and still chasing their dream to swim in college and, and get a really high quality education. And, and to do that all without doing things in person, no official visits or anything like that makes it tough. It makes it really tough. So, I mean, that's, you know, obviously a big thing for us, but what's right in front of us with our current student athletes, like being sure that they stay healthy, they stay safe. And, and that's, you know, my top priority um, we were going through um, basically the weekend before uh, Thanksgiving, and then we'll do a virtual midseason invite at that point. Um, we'll have two smaller virtual meets before that. Um, we'll do a drop taper, see what they can do. And then they're going to go remote the last three weeks of the semester. So they'll go home for about six weeks and then return for the second semester beginning of January. So, you know, it's just continuing to help them whatever way that we can, you know, work really hard. And, you know, our administration, um, you know, board of trustees, everybody here has just been busting their tail to really try to produce a positive experience for these kids in the middle of a pandemic, which presents its challenges for sure. But to be able to have in-person classes, minimal COVID cases on campus, um, it's been a great success for Oberlin so far. And, um, you know, I think just looking across the board, I think a lot of schools, smaller schools have seen a lot of success. Um, we're fortunate to have a smaller enrollment, which I think helps us with a little bit more control on things, which is positive, especially in, in this environment, because, you know, unfortunately at the beginning of all this, you see, you know, like Chapel Hill and schools like that, that, you know, um, unfortunately had to go remote all of a sudden, because how are they supposed to control thousands and thousands and thousands of students? You know, we've got um, at full enrollment, we're about 3000 students here. You know, right now we're about 2000 on campus. And so it provides, you know, an opportunity there. And we're fortunate we have a great music conservatory here on campus. And those students are trying to do their thing in the School of Arts and Sciences as, as well. Um, so sometimes people get that confused and think they all have to do music if they go to Oberlin. It's not the case. <laughs> it's kind of uh, two rooms under one roof, if, if I could describe it in, in any better way there. But no, man, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. I greatly appreciate it, um, you know, and, and uh yeah, we're just very lucky to be doing what we're doing and, you know, take this opportunity and make the most of it for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, Alex. Thank you for taking the time to talk with yeah, me. No problem. Um, it's, it's good to hear your perspective. Good to hear 
that that you know from from a smaller school and to hear that a smaller school is doing doing all right and uh yeah again thanks thanks for coming on appreciate it thank you you've been listening to the swim swam podcast stay tuned for new episodes every week you can take swim swim podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel for more videos as well